Thank you, Tyler and choir. Well, allow me to say the obvious. It's summertime. Anybody like the summertime festivities? I sure do. Why, it was just this week that I sat on the front porch with some dear friends, looking out at the lake, sipping on lemonade, and eating some delicious sorbet. Sherbet, I think it's also called. It was a delightful treat. And as that summer breeze came through, I felt a renewed and energized spirit. It reminded me that faith, this message, in fact, that the choir just sang to us, comes more fully alive in the summer than ever before, although that might not be how we actually interpret things. It was summertime in a manner of speaking for us about 12 years ago. That's because we at that time lived in the summer, southern hemisphere. So while you enjoyed the warm days and long days of summer, we were making ends meet in the very cold place then known as Chile. We decided that it was time to make a trip to nearby Argentina. So we began to make preparations. First on our list was to go to the local bank where we got some crisp $50 bills in American money. That was going to be better for our exchange rate once in Argentina. Then we got in our little red truck, took up the highway, and then eventually over the Andes Mountains until we made it to the city known as Bariloche. Now, Bariloche is known for many things, but foremost amongst them is that it is the chocolate capital of South America. You can smell it in the streets, and you can buy it by the kilo. It is the best thing ever. But before we were able to go into those delicious chocolate shops, we had to get Argentine pesos. So we went to an exchange house. I gave the clerk our money, and he began to dole it out. When I noticed that he took one crisp $50 bill and put it to the side. Afterwards, he explained to me that that $50 bill was counterfeit. He was not going to be able to give me any money for it. In fact, he was not going to be able to give it back to me at all. Well, you might need to know something about your pastor. You see, some might say that I'm, well, frugal. Others might say he's cheap. Neither are right, neither are wrong. But the thing that I hate doing the most is wasting money that I can't even spend in the first place. I stood on the other side of that glass begging for him to give me back that $50 bill, which he did with only one exception. He had to make holes all throughout the $50 bill so that I would not try to go and pass it on as real money to some other person. When I got back to Chile, I was furious. I went down to that bank and I said, you gave me fake money, to which they said, prove it. Well, it looks like I was stuck with a counterfeit bill all along. It was something that was almost real to the naked eye, but completely fake. I wonder what that type of learning can teach us today as we look at how we should live into our faith during this season of summer breeze. You might see there are lots of pictures of people out celebrating summer, which I love. 
I've noticed that there are a few categories of pictures that I'm seeing around on Facebook and Instagram. One is that people love to take pictures of their plates of food. I don't really know how to comment on that because if I say enjoy, the likelihood is that it's already been eaten. So I just like or heart and move along. The other one that I oftentimes see is a picture of someone's feet as they're staring off into the ocean. That's another one where I don't really know what to say. Should I say beautiful feet? Or should I say the ocean beyond your feet looks beautiful? Once again, I just click and move along. But then there's this other picture. You might have seen it too. It's the picture of people that are making a toast of some sort. Their cup filled with Baptist punch, I'm sure, is something that they're lifting high, collecting it, kinking with the glass of someone right beside them, toasting to what they are saying is the good life of summer, a life that is full of comfort, full of luxury and leisure, free of trouble. But that's the picture that most gets beside me, especially as I know better. And I think we all do. Summertime is a time which we can take vacations, to be sure, but it's certainly not a time that we can take vacation from problems, challenges, and especially our faith. There's this theologian, this guy that talks a lot about God. His name is Dr. Andrew Root. And he actually has coined this in a phrase that is called the good life. It's something that a lot of us participate in at one time or another, myself included. It's a pursuit of a life that is nothing more than one long extended vacation of rest, of leisure, of comfort, of life that is free of problems. The kids are popular at school and are soon going to the preferred Ivy League college of their choice. Meanwhile, mom and dad have the best marriage ever, and their careers are crushing it as they are making what people would dare dream to be possible. Andrew Root says this good life is synonymous with the American dream, which is not the problem until it becomes confused with Christianity. People then began to interpret Christianity as Not the pursuit of Jesus, but the pursuit of the good life. That in following Jesus, we too should have a life free of trouble. Akuna matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Akuna matata. It doesn't take long for us to realize that that narrative clashes with Christianity. You see, while we're boasting and toasting to this life that's free of trouble, we're really talking about an idealized or idolic sort of life that doesn't truly exist. Instead, there's a better way. God is inviting us today through this text in Romans chapter 1, verses 5 to Reassimilate our lives conversant with our faith so that life like faith is real 
And that, yes, there is lots that we can be boasting to while we're toasting to not the good life, but the real life. Paul, in his letter to the church of Rome, is really writing what is to be one of the deepest, most difficult to understand theological epistles from his own hand. Key amongst that is the deep spirituality of the Holy Trinity, which we celebrate today on Trinity Sunday. Within it, Paul talks about the following things, saying, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God, Paul says. This is what you should be boasting about while you're toasting to life, for it was given to you through something called justification. Justification means that God declares you as righteous, treats you as righteous, even though none of us are righteous. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then Paul says, because you have been justified, When God looks at you, he looks at you in the same way that he would see his only son, Jesus, perfect and without fault. What's more, you have peace. It's important to understand that this word peace means in the Greek, the absence of war. You might remember from seeing rolls of film from the days of way back when, that when Victory Day or V-Day was proclaimed in the United States. Ticker tape parades were thrown around our country. Heroes who came back from the battlefields were hailed as people that had done something of great good and great worth. But moreover, people were celebrating that there was no more war. Similarly, if we think about the war-torn country of Ukraine, we can imagine what their jubilation would be like if the Russian tanks pulled back and gave up and they were able today to proclaim victory. No more war, no more pain, no more children dying, no more people's lives cut senselessly short. Well, we are not in a war with God involving bullets and tanks, but when we are at war with God, we are not able to connect to the peace of God, a spiritual place where we know that in God we have wholeness and fullness of meaning. It was the great theologian C.S. Lewis who said, all of us have a God-sized hole in our hearts, and there's only one cure. We need God. We need right relationship with God so that our lives will have meaning, so that whatever the season of life, we can say, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good This is the thing that we boast about the most this summer and beyond. We have peace with God. We also have access to God. This is something that would have been radical to Paul's audience, for the church at Rome most assuredly consisted of Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles were people who were pagans, who 
worshipped a group of gods who they never wanted to get near to, let alone have access to. You see, the idea would have been to stay as far away from them as possible because to have intimacy with them meant trouble for your lives, for the gods were vindictive. They were meddling and they were punitive. On the other side, the Jews came from the history of having the temple with all of its many courts of separation. There was only one who could enter into the Holy of Holies, who could go behind the thick veil and offer sacrifices for atonement for the sin of the people of God. He was the high priest, and he would enter into that room once a year. While he did, he had a rope attached to his ankles, and he had bells fastened to his outfit. So they would know that he was moving around, the bells would jingle, but if the bells stopped to jingle, they knew that they might have to give that rope a pull because in the words of the Fitzgerald folks, the priest done fell out. The glory of God was too mighty, too strong a presence, perhaps it even killed him. Now Paul says, because of what Jesus did, because you have been justified, that veil, Jews, that once separated you from the inner court of the Holy of Holies has been split, rendered in two from top to bottom. You have free and unbridled access to the presence of God and the power therewith. And pagan friends, you can now have intimacy with God, not fearing that he will come back to haunt you, not fearing that he will come back to punish you. This is access to God, Paul says, and this is something that is real. Therefore, he says, boast about it. Boast that you have in the hope of the glory of God, that power, that grace, that goodness. But then he goes on to add, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I've got a confession to make. I'm a struggling golfer. For those of you who live in the Oak Mountain community, I need to go ahead and apologize ahead of time for if a ball hits your house, it most likely is from your pastor. My good buddy, Bo Lucky, has been there with me through thick and thin, up into including an episode that happened a couple of weeks ago. A beautiful Memorial Day, we were out there playing. Well, I was trying to play. We're on hole number four, a ball went Errant. It was the slice of my life, and we noticed that it started to careen towards a house. We heard it hit off a few things. I winced and ducked down and then crept up slowly and tenderly to see what I was most afraid of. Y'all, there was a group of old ladies on that back patio having tea. I went up there and humbly apologized and told them, it was not intentional. It's just the sign of a very bad golfer. They said, sweetie, it scared the daylight out of us, but you don't need to worry. And by the way, there's your ball. I picked up that ball and I guarantee you I made out like a flash, hoping that they didn't know that this was the new preacher down at First Baptist Church. Well, you know, 
hardships are a part of life. It's real that we talk about them. Paul says that only those who understand real relationship with God, though, are the ones that can say, even our sufferings produce within us spiritual qualities that will last beyond our lifetimes, all the way into eternity. In fact, what he says is that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. It's as if Paul is saying to me that, David, you might not ever be a good golfer. You might have to suffer on for many, many years, but through perseverance, I'm going to make you a better person. The same thing is true for us during this summer breeze. Your vacations do not mean a time away from your challenges and problems. They are ever present in our lives, but you know what? So is God. And he reaches out to you today to let you know that they are not without possibility, that your problems can do a work within you that will make you better people, not just for the here and now, but for all of eternity. So in that church, may we boast our suffering has purpose. And last but not least, Paul says, boast in this, the Holy Spirit God's presence within our hearts and minds that shows us that the good work Christ Jesus started, he will see to fruition, as quoted from Philippians 6, verse 1, is always in us. It's that source of refreshment that if we were to imagine our hearts as a cup is consistently being poured into us. We can take a sip whenever we need to with parts throats, parts minds, parts hearts, parts souls. The Holy Spirit pours into us still and says, I'm going to make rivers pop up in the wasteland. It's what David talked about when he said, my cup runs over. It's an unending supply of God's love that comes to us and transform us and in which we know that it is but a foretaste of that which is to come. That on that day, that as we sang, it is well when Christ descends and the clouds be rolled back like a scroll, we will know it's well because we can lean into knowing that in Christ Jesus, the best is yet to come. So yes, my friends, during this time of summer, The summer breeze is all around you. It's not now that you're just going to vacation, to the beach, to the mountains, to see grandparents, or to staycation here in Carrollton. It's that that summer breeze is that constant reminder of that power of the Holy Spirit, which we received last Sunday during Pentecost. It's moving us, angling us, positioning us so that we can boast and toast to the real life. I don't know about you, but I want to make a toast right here and right now. Here's to a God that we have peace with. Here's to a God that we have access to. 
Here's to a God that can take our sufferings and turn them into perseverance, character, and ultimately hope. And here's to a God that gives us the Holy Spirit, that unending flow of God's love and refreshment that no matter where we are in life, it begs us to go forward, for there is always hope in the name of Jesus. Will you join me in making such toasts this summer? Exclaim them loud for all to hear. Don't be shy. In fact, Paul himself says it, be boastful. But know that when you're being boastful, you're being boastful about that which is real. And to speak realness to the lives of those that you encounter. No, we're not a perfect people, are we? But we are a loved people. And in that That, my friends, we have a word of good news. Will you pray with me? Our God in heaven, we profess so much. And God, perhaps we're not quite as boastful about you as we should be. We're sorry for that. But this word today is an encouragement. It's a new wind in our sails, the summer breeze that beckons us forward and allows us to know that wherever we're going, it's actually that we're being sent. And ever we come back to Carrollton, we know that it's our opportunity to come back to our home here in your house. We thank you, O oh God, for a summer breeze that blows ever so strongly and will continue to do so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.